Just give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. As a filmmaker, positive psychology coach, author, professor, and change agent specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cybers Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. On the show, she also focuses on military families and service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury and other post-deployment civilian life reintegration issues. So, let's spend some time getting to the heart of the matter on Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face, ladies and gentlemen. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish egotistical or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, Happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is all about the heart. Please join our conversation. If you like what you hear or want to chime in, follow us on Twitter at Lisa Kamen or tweet at us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Today we are talking about contemplation and mindfulness, and for some that means meditation and how it relates to this 24-7 cyber world that we live in and how can we make the pursuit of a more contemplative life compatible with this highly high technology environment that we live in and we've got a couple who are doing just that. Vincent and Emily Horn are self-described Buddhist geeks. This married couple is crafting new ways to practice mindfulness and helping others to, by developing apps for contemplation. This was a quote by Wired Magazine or a, paraf- a paraphrased quote by Wired Magazine. But let's talk about this and break this down further. Vincent Horn is a mind hacker and Buddhist geek. He's been practicing meditation intensely since his freshman year of college, including doing intensive retreats as part of his practice. He began teaching meditation in 2010, and along with his wife, Emily, who is a contemplative teacher with fierce compassion and the skill that comes from dedicated practice and personal exploration. Her integrated teaching style is influenced by mindfulness meditation and revolves around the interwoven nature of contemplation, 
an unfolding and daily life. And she's taught mindfulness classes locally in my neck of the woods at Insight LA. And we love Insight. We love Trudy Goodman over there. And also um, at Spirit Rock, uh, which uh, is up in the Bay Area. So welcome, guys. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. Great, great to be here with you. Yeah, great well, you to be here. Thank you. You guys have uh, such a great background, and I could go on and quote all sorts of cool things about the two of you, including um, Wired Smart List 2012, which, said, which says that you are 50 people who will change the world. And that's what you're doing, and you're doing it in a very unique way, using technology and mindfulness to create, which is so cool. Yeah, thank you. So talk about the Buddhist Geeks. Um, what you guys do, and why it serves the global community, which is what we are all about over here at Harvesting Happiness. Yeah, so Buddhist Geeks um, basically started as a college project for me. It was just a kind of a hobby. And uh, a friend and I started interviewing various people in the Buddhist world uh, for a podcast, which at the time in 2007 was was kind of a new idea. And um, to our surprise, it took off, and we continued to have conversations with various folks uh, on the different intersection points of Buddhism and the modern world, you know, we were exploring how does Buddhism converging with technology? How is it converging with science? How is it converging with psychology? You know, all of these different ways that that Buddhism as a tradition is interfacing with just a plethora of different perspectives and um, and wisdom streams of human knowledge. So um, that's basically the gist of Buddhist geeks in terms of what we're doing, and um, you know that. Out of that conversation and out of those initial dialogues have come a few other things. So at this point, we do a bunch of stuff that's related to media, putting out conversations, hosting an annual conference. Um, but then we also have a, an area of Buddhist Geeks that's dedicated to practice, to people actually getting together and practicing together as a virtual uh, community or, or in Buddhist lingo, it would be a virtual sangha. Um, and um, that that's another important part of, of how we're um, serving the the global community, I hope, um, and it seems like some people find it helpful. So we we continue to do it. I am impressed with this concept of the the virtual sangha, the virtual meditation, and bringing people together from all over the globe um, in one virtual environment to meditate. Can you explain how that works? This is fantastic. Yes, it it actually has turned out to be quite a success as far as um, connecting people from, let's say, places like the Ukraine, Russia, Panama City. We have people everywhere. And basically, the way that it works right now is um, we're calling them open practice periods. And so anyone in the community can just throw out a time, say, hey, I'm going to go sit. And then people can jump in a Google Hangout room and sit with them. So it's really simple. It's easy to access if you have internet. And um, it's working really well. People like to see each other as they're sitting together. I would say this is this is fantastic. So it's very organic. People will just say, "Okay, I'm going to go sit at this time," and then uh, invite uh, others in the community to come. Is that basically yeah. how it works at this time? Yeah. At this time, that's how it works. And we also host um, different you know activities. So there's other kinds of things that you can take. Um, part in if you want to groups um, you know there's some book groups there's some people like self-organizing to just hang out and talk about um, concentration practice or loving kindness practice whatever people are really interested in let's talk a little bit about mind hacking and what 
that involves because I used to be completely against biohacking and the more, uh, and I don't know if mind hacking is a form of biohacking, but once I understood the concept of what these metrics were being gathered for, I changed my view on the subject. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's sort of related to biohacking, but the difference is, you know, when you hear terms like biohacking or brain hacking, a lot of uh, those movements are focused on looking at the objective, quantifiable data part of our experience or looking at the brain, for instance. And we wanted to kind of flip that uh, emphasis on its head and say, what if we focused on consciousness itself and our ability to reprogram our, our, our own sort of inner operating system with the mind itself, um, which is kind of what the contemplative traditions have been doing for thousands of years. So we wanted to kind of take that ethos or that mindset of, of, of the hacker, of being able to um, explore and investigate uh, systems to understand how they work and then to be empowered to actually go in and change things, um, hopefully with support and other hackers who, who know the territory. Um, but, you know, but using consciousness itself as the, the way to rewire our experience. Mm. Mm. Ah, beautiful. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about what you said, and I'm wondering how this changes the view of Buddhism in Western society in America, of course, in particular because we're sitting in America. But this is a, this is a reinterpretation of using Buddhist skills to create a, a peaceful, loving, kind, compassionate, empathic world. I mean, cyber world and then um, literal world. Yeah. And for us, the distinction between those two is, uh, is it's collapsing rather quickly. So in some sense, it's just we live in the world. Um, and, and for us, you know, it is a reinterpretation just as mindfulness is a reinterpretation. Um, it's, it's a way of saying, hey, if we learn these skills to hack our own minds, um, to uh, open our hearts then we actually can be part of a process of rebooting the world so that it looks like the kind of world we want to live in more. Um, and I think that's really important, especially when you consider all of the scientific research that's coming out about um, mirror neurons and the way that we're actually constantly um, affecting each other. In some sense, it's almost like we're neurons in a, in a global kind of network, and we're actually also wiring together and firing together as people. Not just, it's not just happening in our brains. Um, so in that sense, you know, for us, it's very much a responsibility to, uh, to, to look at how our own sense of consciousness, what states of mind we're in and what states we're cultivating, um, how that actually impacts the, the people around us and the, and the global network that we're part of. What I like about what you've just shared is the concept of tribe that 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 we're that we're really looking towards a global tribe that you know when you look at mirror neurons and neuroplasticity and epigenetics and and everything that affects us as human beings, this concept of coming together in this global realm that you're talking about and this mind hacking process elevates the bar for humanity, and I think that this is really powerful and uh really uh, quite spiritual, which leads me to my next question. We're going to go to break, but when we come back, I'd love to talk about the exponential growth of technology and how it can affect spiritual practice.
and we do have a couple of minutes before we go, but I just wanted to kind of intro- introduce that concept because I think that this is the, um, the golden nugget here. Yes, technology is definitely influencing um, contemplative practice in a, in a huge way. I mean, from different contemplative technologies that are out there um, to also apps. And we've done a lot of work with meditation apps. So it's definitely an interesting thing. When we come back, we will talk more with Vincent and Emily Horn, uh, self-described Buddhist geeks. And to learn more, you can go to BuddhistGeeks.com. On Twitter, they are at BuddhistGeeks. And on Facebook, they are Buddhist Geeks as well. When we come back, we'll carry on that conversation. We'll talk about uh, technology, spirituality, and the apps that the Horns have developed to help service this community that is growing by leaps and bounds. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on t-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress Kamen has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about mind hacking with the Buddhist geeks, Vincent and Emily Horn. We're talking about how uh, modern mindfulness and the uh, modern technology can come together as one to really help grow a community, to create a global tribe, to help uh, reinterpret uh, Buddhism in, in the Western world. And right now we want to talk about uh, the exponential growth of technology and where spirituality is headed. But before I do, I want to clarify that the horns are not the app meisters. They are the friends of the app meisters who develop these apps and they consult to app developers 
who are creating um, apps to support meditation and com- uh, contemplation. So now that I got the correction out of the way, guys, <laughs> let's talk about where spirituality is headed. Oh, yeah, that's a huge question. Yeah. Um, it is, um, especially because you said technology is changing so rapidly, and it seems to be changing almost every aspect of our lives. Um, so obviously spirituality would be one of those aspects that's, that's going to be impacted. And, um, you know, that's the area and the interface that we've been really paying attention to the last several years. And to be honest, I don't know that we know what's going to happen. I, I think no one really knows. Um, and, and some part that's part of the fun of, of contemplation is that you learn, you know, from moment to moment, you don't know what's coming next. But, um, you know, that said, if, if I were to look at some of the trends, you know, uh, in the tech space, and then also with, with where the meditation world seems to be heading or the mindfulness world, um, it seems like the big wave that I see coming soon is the contemplative technology space. Um, and by contemplative technology, I simply mean any sort of technologies that we're creating that help develop what was traditionally developed through contemplative life and contemplative practice. So um, there are a host of apps which, um, you know, we've consulted on a few of those um, that are coming out to support learning meditation in different ways in a new context with your mobile device. Um, and we could talk about some of those. But then there's also, I think, really excitingly, um, a bunch of hardware-related improvements and, and innovations that are going to be coming soon. Um, a lot that are related to like EEG headsets and transcranial direct stimulation headsets and virtual reality headsets. Um, so there's a whole host of mindfulness technologies, contemplative technologies that are are being worked on. And we know many of the people that are, that are doing that work. And I think in the next few years, we're going to see some really exciting and mind-blowing technologies come out into the consumer marketplace that really give people a profound taste of some of the states of consciousness that were traditionally only possible to develop if you were contemplative or a monastic. So I have no idea what the ramifications of that are going to be, but it's uh, it's around the corner from from where I'm standing. I love it. I'm uh, personally excited. Bring it on because we know enough about the brain that when we can cause certain areas of the brain to light up, you know, namely the prefrontal cortex, that we can actually alter our moods to the positive we can create less uh we can create more joy certainly we can minimize negative emotion and depression and this is just astounding that we'll be able to do this outside of the lab environment yes and and it's also um if you think about the the potential danger sides of this i think also have to be considered because you know we cannot just synchronize our brains to be happier or you know, use these technologies to develop joy, but we could also use them to, you know, in some sense brainwash each other into feeling states of mind that, you know, would support really narrow ideologies. And so I think there's going to come with these technologies a lot of big questions about the proper use of them and, and what we're using them to do. Good point. Good point. Emily, did you want to say something? Yeah, I would, I would just, um, one of the things that I've really liked about it, because I've done a lot of meditations for um, an app called Buddhify, 
And one of the things that I like is that it's putting meditation in the hands of so many people um, that don't normally have access to it. And that first movement of shift of, you know, turning inward is such a big deal for a lot of people. And it's beautiful to watch. And I feel like it's a, a remedy for the modern world. So in some sense, you know, we're going to have, um, like Ben said, some things to really consider about um, the shadow side of these technologies. But that, you know, that goes along with anything um, that is new and anything that we carry forward to. So. And the ethical questions are important because are important. I guess it's like a car. You know, the car can either take you from point A to point B or uh, can be a weapon in your hands and uh, the the ethics remain um, as good as the integrity of the user yeah and, yeah that's right and and the integrity of the systems that we create um, to, to, to hold these things and and the, and the technologies themselves how they're designed and for what purposes let's talk a little bit about the annual conference the Buddhist geeks conference that you've got coming up this is so cool I mean I have this image of a bunch of uh, you know geeks in the room and you know the geek that comes to mind is the old-fashioned pocket protector and that's no longer the image of the geek a geek comes in in in, in many forms what goes on at the conference yeah yeah no uh, someone gave us a card recently that had on it geek is the new sexy with a pair of glasses <laughs> yeah and I don't, know if, I don't know if that's true for all geeks, but certainly we're we're happy to not to not be the uh, the pocket protectors, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the sexy ones, the sexy pocket protectors. That's right. That's right. So yeah, no, the conference is uh, like our annual meet space gathering. You know, where we come together from the virtual into the into the into the to the personal um, into the actual physical space together, and um, it's it is a bunch of geeks basically getting together to explore you know, how Buddhism is converging with all these different areas. There are, you know, technologists there, there are um, Buddhist teachers there, there are meditators there. There are all sorts of people who are kind of interested in that conversation and in um, where that space is heading um, that get together basically to have a few days of just hanging out, talking, and and kind of exploring provocative ideas. So um, it's, it's a great joy for us to put it on and, and to participate. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And this is generally in the fall? This year, it is, it's in the fall, yes. So to learn, to learn more, more about this conference, uh, you would go to BuddhistGeeks.com, or is there another site where a listener would, would visit? Yep, that's it. Oh, cool. Um, and let's just let, and then talk about real-life tips. You know, say somebody is just tuning in and is not familiar with meditation or contemplative practice. What little pearls of wisdom, Emily, could you share with our listeners to begin to ease into a practice and how to integrate uh, meditation into their modern lives in this modern world? Yes, I would say, you know, if you're just starting, that it's perfect. And um, what you would need to do is just keep it simple. Um, sometimes simplicity is the best way to go, even though it can be difficult. So you just kind of anything throughout your day, um, you can pick as an object. So if you want to just pay attention to your hand resting on your knee and just have an intention to bring it back to your hand resting on your knee throughout your day, whether you're driving in your car, then your hand's resting on the steering wheel, you can pay attention there. Um, the other thing that's really good is the apps. Like I mentioned, Buddhify. If you're on the computer a lot, um, there's some meditations on there. So, you know, bringing your attention to your finger, which is part of your hand, um, swiping it on the screen as you swipe your phone or, um, you know, the iPad swiping, just bringing your attention back. And what that does is it cultivates 
um, concentration. So it calms the mind, it stables the mind, so that whatever's happening can just um, start to come and go with more freedom and more fluidity of experience. Um, Sharon Salzberg is a meditation teacher, and she says that um, a moment of mindfulness is a moment of freedom, and I really like that because, you know, if you just learn to pay attention to something simple, just like your hands, then, you know, it'll be an automatic response, and in that moment, you really can be free of whatever's happening. I couldn't agree more. I had an experience last week. I work a lot with addiction and trauma, and mindfulness training is a, a big part of what I do in my own practice. I personally practice, and I teach it to people in group and one-on-one environments. And I had this young man come into the office who had just um, entered an inpatient program, and he was completely shaken. You know, from head to toe, he was visibly disturbed by by being in a rehab and he said that he you know he felt his his life was out of control he was in debt he was having trouble with his his partner and on and on and on it was all the things that were going wrong and i had asked him if he had ever heard of mindfulness and he said no and i said well what if we just focus right now in this you know what's going on in this room and it you could see the lights go on that he understood. He was very, very smart and he understood what I was saying that, you know, when we can just start to pay attention to this present moment that we alter our experience of life and this is the power of the work that you're doing. I agree. I agree. And it's it's so simple in a way, you know, to just pay attention to what's happening in this moment and yet that simple practice or that simple turning of the mind it's like a portal that delivers one into all sorts of um, areas of consciousness that in some ways are as vast as the outer world you know the inner world and its terrain is as vast as soon as you learn how to step through that portal and there are so many rejuvenating states of mind of calm and clarity that one can access there's all sorts of insights that one can glean about you know, the nature of consciousness and of identity and how it works. Um, and all of those things, I think, are really important, especially in a world where we've been so focused for the last couple hundred years on the outer world and on kind of exploring it and discovering it. And, and we've left, in some sense, the inner world uh, out of our exploration. So, um, you know, to me, it's beautiful that as a culture, we're coming back around to that. And uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how we um, continue to um, to um, explore and develop those um, capacities. Likewise, and this is where the spirituality comes into it. This is how I I believe that we bring or can bring spirituality back into our lives. You know, this concept of turning the screw, uh, you know, of our inner landscape a quarter of an inch and seeing the world as a completely different place. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's. In some sense, it's a new kind of spirituality because um, it's it's one where we don't have to be as laden with the sort of myths and the sometimes dogmas, you know, that that traditions have had in the past, all traditions, um, because they weren't aware of everything else that was happening, you know, in the world. Now we have a chance to, I think, explore the inner world whilst simultaneously realizing that, um, you know, there's so much more we don't know out there, and it's okay actually to not know. Um, to me, that's exciting. 
I agree. It's the not knowing that is um, is the place of excitement and where joy can reside if we eliminate fear. And maybe that's part of another conversation that we need to have and have you guys come back. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, just really simply and quickly, uh, fear, you know, loving kindness practice is great for fear. So it's something that, you know, you can practice just simple phrases. May I be happy? May I be loving? May I be kind? Um, and that really helps to um, transform um, fear into presence and openness like you're talking about. Beautifully said. And we're out of time. And I want to give your contact information one more time. You can learn more about Vincent and Emily Horn at BuddhistGeeks.com, on Twitter at BuddhistGeeks, and on Facebook, once again, at BuddhistGeeks. Thanks so much, guys. Please come back and we will carry on this conversation because the work you're doing is so important and so needed in this world. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Have a great day. And when we return, we'll be back with our next guest. Here come those tunes. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download the podcast of this show because today we are talking about geeks, apps, and Buddha. That's right. And you can download this podcast because it's kind, legal, free, available 24-7 on iTunes. And we're talking about how um, the state of meditation and mindfulness is merging with technology. And my next guest is one of those guys who's doing just that. His name is Rohan Gunatilaka. And I don't know if I said it with the perfect Glasgow accent, but he said he would answer anyway. He is the director of 21 Awake, a creative studio which combines deep experience in meditation, technology, and design to make remarkable well-being products. 21 Awake is best known for Budify, the the best-selling mobile app that teaches you mindfulness wherever you are. Based in the UK, Rohan also has a specialization in digital innovation in the arts, is a trustee of the British Council, 
and in 2012, Wired Magazine named him in their smart list of 50 people who are about to change the world, which means from 2012 to almost 2015, that has happened. So good afternoon, Rohan, to you. Thank you for joining us. Not at all, Lisa. Great to, have, great to be here. Ah, wonderful. Tell us about Budify for those of us who are not in the know. What is it, how it works, and how people are responding to it? Sure. Well, quite straightforwardly, it's a, it's a mobile app currently on iOS, but coming to Android uh, later this year. And the basic idea of it is meditation for wherever you are and whatever you're doing. So whether you're on the train, at the gym, at work, even working online, the guided audio tracks are designed specifically for those locations. And so um, it's the, the big idea really is to make uh, meditation and mindfulness as convenient as possible so that you don't have to, a lot of people don't have time to go to a class or course and nor are their, nor are their um, uh, lives uh, necessarily very quiet um, and uh, they're, they're very busy people. We're all busy people. And so um, the idea is to bring the, bring the meditation teaching to the busyness rather than having to get busy people to make an artificially quiet space in their life. And so um, that's the core idea. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it's sort of... Uh, and it's, it's gone really well. So we launched our new version start of this calendar year. Um, and uh, we've had a great response. Um, we've got tens of thousands of people all around the world using it regularly. Um, and uh, what's most exciting for me is that it's the, uh, the feedback we get from our users is really great. And it's the, 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 the messages I get which sort of say that this is the it's for that kind of person who has always wanted to put, maybe heard about meditation and mindfulness and haven't really had the, found the right way in to try it out. And this makes a really sort of low, a sort of low barrier to entry way of doing that. And that's the, it's been really exciting to see people respond to it like that. I think you hit the nail on the head that that's what makes Budify so wonderful is people who are curious, but don't necessarily have the time in their day to get to a class or really have to expose themselves to the barrage of materials out there. They can just kind of noodle around the Budify app. It's, it's, it's very reasonably priced and get an exposure to meditation, which is so useful for this chaotic modern world that we're living in. Yeah, it's, it's very much meant to be that sort of first way in. It is a, it's not trying to replace sort of face-to-face classes or anything, but just to provide a, more, a sort of as convenient an entry way in so that if people want to further their interests more, then of course uh, we encourage them to do that however they is appropriate for them. But it's that initial first step because it, it takes it, it, like – it takes a lot of courage and bravery to turn up to that class for the first time or um, the lower, the easier we can make it for people to look inside and to look at this whole area of sort of um, developing our inner sort of mental skills, the better, I think. And it is so important that we do develop these, uh, this inner world and this inner life because it helps us to cope more effectively 
with the outer world to be more effective in how we communicate, how we function and operate in our daily lives. Talk a little bit about that, about what goes on in the brain during meditation and how it actually serves us in in the bigger picture. Sure. Well, I think um, the core, I think sort of this, this core scale that sort of everyone talks about, this mindfulness thing, what that really is, is just being um, aware of what's happening inside us, whether that's sort of inside us physically or inside us mentally. And when we have, the more and more we have that ability to be sensitive to that, um, uh, the more, I guess, control and agency uh, we have over our lives. Because so much of our, the way we react and respond to things can happen automatically, and we don't necessarily see um, the... Uh, see the reactions inside us and uh, like uh, we can go on and respond to a work situation or relationship in, our, in a, a situation or relationship um, and it almost be on autopilot um, because we're not, not necessarily so sensitive to say that the the attitude we have in our mind or um, the way we're seeing things because we, we sort of um, we uh, we sort of look through sort of all different filters all the time and so the more awareness we have around that, uh, the better and more. Let me, ju- let me just jump in here and talk about something that I like to bring people's awareness to because I do use meditation and mindfulness in my own practice that I, that I do. And it's, uh, the explanation I give is that when we go about our days and we're really not paying attention, um, we're in a state of uh, mindlessness. You know, we just do what we do by rote, by um, by habit. And when we're in that state of mindfulness, the mind is full, the mind is aware, and we're actually paying attention and engaged in such a way that we actually make less mistakes. Absolutely. Otherwise, otherwise we just get pulled around by everything. And we can uh, suddenly, like five minutes of, uh, without any sort of sense of awareness, what's going on, we get ourselves in a situation which is, not great and we sort of we just don't know how we got there and by having the more mindfulness we have the more we're able to see how i see sort of uh, for me for me personally sort of the ability to see early warning signals of if i'm getting into a moment of stress or difficulty by being really aware of that in the body and in my mind i'm able to sort of uh diffuse that situation whenever i want and that's been a really powerful benefit for me personally Let's talk a little bit about the the convergence of technology and the mind, technology and meditation. And you say something interesting in, in, in my notes that I have here about moving past the stock photos of waterfalls, calm oceans, and people wearing suits and meditation postures. And I giggle because when I first started doing this myself, that was exactly what I, I used. <laughs> sure. And I think there's been there's been there's a really interesting moment. Um, we're in a really interesting moment with regards to meditation in our culture. I think when it first arrived, if you want to say to the West, it came in a spiritual package. That's just the nature of how it how it arrived here. Um, and the people who first got into meditation were very much motivated by uh, spirituality, and that's why a lot of the aesthetic around meditation started off like that. But what's happened in the last 20, 10, 5, 3 years is that we've, we've started to see different reasons for people to get into it. So be it um, uh, corporate mindfulness, interest in productivity, or performance, or um, general well-being, 
uh, or sort of clinical use of, of mindfulness. All these are very different uh, motivations. And so the, 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 the main issue is that one of the issues I, I, I call out is that we tend to use the same aesthetic that it came with at the beginning to express it for people who don't necessarily connect with that aesthetic. And so um, as the more and more mindfulness is being used in different contexts, I think the more and more different ways we need to present meditation because if you're a um if you're a startup entrepreneur um in the states you're really interested in maybe mindfulness for productivity and focus and creativity but you might not connect at all with the more sort of traditionally uh traditional sort of aesthetic of waterfalls and all that kind of thing and so we need to i think it's really important to match uh, the kind of the the reason people get into meditation with the way the way it looks. Point well taken. Yesterday, I had a gentleman in my office who um, is going through addiction recovery, and he had never meditated. He was a vet, or he is a vet, and um, has suffered a significant amount of stress in his life. And I said, you know, would you do me a favor and be willing to, you know, experience something different? And I took him through a guided meditation, really not knowing what to expect because some people don't respond to it very easily the first time. And he said that he had never had such immediate relief in his life. And he walked out of the room floating, you know, after maybe just eight minutes. You know, we did it at the Mm. end of our session. And I am constantly amazed, impressed, grateful. Um, for this technology, because it really is a technology. Yeah, it's, it's this idea of inner technology, I think, is quite a compelling one. Um, uh, agreed. Inner technology. I'm going to have yeah. to use that and credit you. <laughs> sure. And what I'm, what I'm personally most excited about is using outer technology to support our inner technology. So that's, that's the sort of the confluence of meditation and digital technology, I guess. We are going to go to a break, and when we come back, Rohan, I'd like to continue exploring this inner technology and how you create your products, how you bring them to market, new things that you're working on, and and, and just the the design process because it's fascinating to take this sort of – What's, what was once thought of as the spiritual realm, you know, the hippie factor or the woo-woo factor, break it down very elementally, make it user-friendly, and repackage it in a way that the modern world can really use it and put it to work for greatness, which is what we're all aspiring to. Great. Sounds good. All right, we're going to a break, and to learn more about Budify, please visit www.budify.com, and that's B-U-D-D-I-H-I-F-Y.com. On Twitter, the handle is also at Budify, and I'm going to give you Rohan's website, which is Rohan, R-O-H-A-N-G-U-N-A-T-I-L-L-A, K-E dot com. And that's pronounced Rohan Gunatalakar. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress. Came in, here come those tunes, and we'll be right back. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. 
Do you like Lisa's take on happiness, well-being, and human flourishing? Join us this spring as Harvesting Happiness launches online classroom programming where Lisa Cypress-Kamen will offer her workshop series across the globe and from the comfort of wherever you are. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for more details. Be a part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about meditation and technology with Rohan Gunatalakar, and he is the founder and designer of Budify, which are mobile apps that uh, teach teach meditation and also just offer meditation practices for those on the go. So, Rohan, we're talking about how this this merging of meditation and technology and the inner technology and how you create your products, which I think everybody would be fascinated to know. Sure. Well, um, I guess the, what we take what we call a sort of uh, what's known as a user-centered approach. And so we, um, what we start, we start for, um, uh, we, look, we look for what I call a mindfulness problem. So um, a mindfulness problem, for example, is um, uh, I'm working online and how do I bring mindfulness to this situation um, or a different context. So uh, I'm in my relationship and uh, um, and all, so all these different contexts have their own set of mindfulness problems. And what we do is we sort of... Um, uh, we really get into that, get into that problem and articulate and do interviews and talk to people and research all the types of sort of product research that um, uh, technology designers do, I guess, um, to try and understand that as well as possible. And then I guess the, the magic happens when, uh, is when we apply our, because uh, at that point it's just a design process, but then the, the magic happens, I guess, when we apply our understanding of meditation. Um, and uh, me and my colleagues uh, have really deep experience in meditation practice, and it's not just traditional meditation practice, uh, but also um, the the much more sort of everyday uh, how do I bring mindfulness to this situation. So, but if I came very much out of my own personal challenge, which I had about ten years ago, of 
uh, how do I deepen my practice whilst working in the city of London in a really fast paced environment. Um, and so the techniques and ideas that, that sort of we codified into the product were things that I would, I was doing every day on the subway and at work and walking around, uh, London. And so, um, that's, that's sort of our, our general approach. Um, and, uh, the, we then, um, once we have a sort of a, a sort of a core idea, so the idea of say meditation on the go or meditation for, for couples or something like a digital, uh, something that helps you deal with, um, your working on, working online, we then, um, uh, essentially work, sort of work up a slate of ideas related to that product. And then we do prototyping, be that either technically or just using um, uh, paper and bits of cardboard. And then um, the ones that really we feel have the most uh, potential, um, not just within our team, but also we sort of, we now that we have so many users with Budify, we go out to our users and ask them questions about what do you think of this? How would, would you use this in this context? And then we use that kind of information to then move the product on to, to an actual build. So really what I hear you saying is that you're, you're, you're building out storyboards as you would do for writing a story or for advertising. It's not dissimilar. Yeah, and I think this is what um, – it's, it's, a, it's a fairly sort of well, well – well, uh, the, the, the design process we use is not um, remarkable in the world itself. <laughs> but um, what – it is very different in the world of meditation because what – when it comes to meditation products, the majority of things we see start from a tradition or a particular teacher or a style, and then they try to translate that style into or sort of digital content. Whereas we start instead, we start instead of starting from traditional meditation practice, we start from user need, and then start from there. Whereas most people start from traditional meditation and then go towards users. So we, we start from the slightly different angle. And that means that um, our products are much more are sort of, they, they can be, they're expressed in ways that aren't necessarily uh, conventional. So for example, we, we did a project recently. Um, one of our big sort of prototypes recently was called mindfulness games. And this was a set of, um, uh, a set of uh, essentially games you can play with other people um, that are like parlor games or board games, which just through just through the playing of them, uh, you build awareness, compassion, and uh, concentration, and so on. Um, and that started with the question: what What would it look like if a meditation class looked more like a games night than a sort of lecture? Um, and so, and a traditional classroom. So that these starting with more interesting questions can lead to much more interesting products. And so um, the the mindfulness games, you ran a games night in Edinburgh um, earlier this year. It was really successful. We got some really great feedback. Um, and so uh, we're taking some of the ideas from that into a more mature product, um, hopefully for next year. That is, that's really cool, actually. You know, ga- and games are very, very effective to uh, bring your awareness to the present, to actually get into that flow state that we seek, you know, when uh, we are... Yeah. 
Yeah, it's very, very cool. And, um, absolutely, and, and, and just, sorry, just one thing is that something that we find really important is because meditation can be hard work, we try and make it closely aligned to something you do already. So um, Buddhify works because people already listen to their headphones. And the games we created were based on games that people already know. So Thumb War or basic card games that people know really well. And so it means that uh, people already have a connection with the types of things that we're doing. And we, the, we just put a mindfulness spin on top of them. I love this. Um, let's talk a moment for co- how you collaborate. For example, the Horns, who were in our previous uh, half of the show, they are meditation teachers. They have a community, and they have uh, worked with Budify. And I'm wondering how that works. Do you collaborate with many teachers around the world to influence um, the products that you're putting out? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, we... We have a really uh, sort of uh, good network of people. Um, so, uh, in a more so, Budify when uh, with the with the tracks there, um, in a more sort of straightforward way, uh, we commissioned Emily and Vince to write some tracks and um, also voice some tracks that they haven't necessarily written as well. Um, and we've we've used a number of other teachers. Um, there's a new teacher from New York called Lodro Winsler who and um, a teacher in London that we're, has written new content for the app. And that's really important because I think um, diversity of voice, both literally and sort of in the sense of uh, diversity of style, is really important because um, uh, different people react, connect and react to different types of uh, presentation. Um, even as the simple, if everything is in one, literally in one voice, then a lot of people might like that voice, but a lot of people, like, a lot of people like just for no, for just arbitrarily won't like a certain voice, and um, I'd rather give them an alternative and an option. Um, so they might connect really well with the female American voice, but less so much with the male British voice. And so um, it gives them a way. It gives them a way in. And so I think that's really important. But also, um, uh, I don't like as a company. We don't think we have all the answers ourselves, and so. Uh, we bring in specialists in um, to help us. So uh, we had we had game designers work with us on mindfulness games. Um, uh, we've got special sort of technical experts. That, um, a specialist on pain management helped us with sort of help us work through the ideas for a new section in Budify for that. Um, and so I, I very much I'm very, I very much uh, believe in collaboration as a way of making. Um, uh, making better products. Indeed. And this is has been really informative. You know, we don't really get into the backside of how these apps work, how the, how the technology meets the, um, really, the, the soft part of the science, the creative part of the science of meditation and the art of meditation. So thank you, Rohan, for joining us. To learn more, please visit Budify.com or rohangunatilakar.com, or on Twitter, he is at Budify. And I have a few closing thoughts before we part, as we do each and every week. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, 
place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guest today, The Horns and Rohan Gunatalaka, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. And I want to give a shout out to our producers who show up each and every week to make us look great each and every week. We thank you, thank you, and thank you. Tune in again next week. We'll be back for more Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. Thank you, Rohan. Have a beautiful evening. Great. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us every Wednesday morning live at 10 to 11 Central Time here on TogiNet Radio. Then harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with free downloadable podcasts available at iTunes. To learn more about Lisa's filmography, felicitation, and philanthropy, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Each week, Harvesting Happiness presents engaging trendsetters, exploring our world through science, art, medicine, media, music, philosophy, politics, and the human heart, whose perspectives on life are sure to inspire, provoke, and engage. Lisa's diverse guests are a proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Like Lisa says, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following us on Twitter at hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Then join us again next week at this same time on the Toginet Radio Network.